Welcome to the Aging Hipster Rewatch. I am Bob Serrano. Today, we have a very special episode of the Rewatch. A couple months ago, we thought we were going to be all cool and catch the beginning of the baseball season, but now we find the world in a different place. The season's postponed, and we are locked in a brutal winner-take-all quarantine with our families. But tonight, we're putting that to the side because we're going back to the summer of 1989, and we are asking ourselves, how the heck do you spell Serrano with a C? Harry Doyle here welcoming all of you to another season of Indians baseball. Here's a list of players we'll be inviting to camp. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. We'd love for you to come to spring training for a shot at this year's club. By the way, you were with me last night. Who's this chick on top of me? We'd still like to take a look at you at our spring camp. Not sure I can make it by then. Who is that? Serrano. What's his religion? Voodoo. Hey! Billy Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays? And I run like Hayes. How you doing? What the hell league you been playing in? California Penal. Don't you have any proven major league talent? Now I want to put together a team that'll help us relocate to Miami. You want us to lose? We've been losing. What I want is for us to finish dead last. This year, the Cleveland Indians have a multi-talented team. The first offering just a bit outside. They're masters of the sacrifice. He's looking to sacrifice a live chicken. One old chicken, just like you said. The double play. Excuse me. Better body than she does. Thank you for me, she really does. And the pickoff. Every time we win, we peel a section. <laughs> Tom Berenger. Zipper on your skirt stuck. Use your imagination. These things make me look ridiculous. Seeing's the most important thing, son. How big is that important? Corbin Burnson. And Bob Euchre. Hey, with swings and crushes one towards South America. Major League. That ball wouldn't have been out of a lot of parks. Name one. Yellowstone. <laughs> 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 Leading off and playing first base. It's co-host Toby Crines. Even in Mexico, they don't spell it with a C. I looked it up. They don't spell it with a C anywhere. Anywhere. Batting second. After a month off during martial arts movies, it's Robin Posey Leon. Hey, How guys. Doing? I'm ready. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> Toby is wondering what you're up to, and I only know one thing that you're up to. It's called Tiger King, right? Yep. Uh, been watching Tiger King like the rest of the world, and I am so hopped up on meth and goofballs, just like <laughs> I can't even express to you in words what the show is about. It's about something new every episode. I highly recommend it. Get to it. And who's batting third, Toby? This uh, this movie, Major League's baseball scenes, were primarily shot at Milwaukee's County Stadium, the old home of the Brewers. We have on the show today, today only, a leading historian of County Stadium, a man who is currently editing a book on the subject, Mr. Jim Crines. Hey, everybody. Uncle Jim, as uh, we like to call you here. I know you interviewed David Ward, the director of Major League. 
Has he ever apologized for spelling Serrano with a C? I'm just curious. I'm sure that's. I don't think he's even aware of it. I think uh, and until today, until Toby mentioned it to me, I did. I said, "Wow, they did spell that with a C." <laughs> it wasn't something on the the top of my mind, but yeah, no, he didn't bring it up. Is it, it? I gotta be honest. It has actually been on the when it comes with this movie. It has been in my mind the entire time since it came on because a lot of times with with a name like Serrano, your name's not thrown around a lot because like say if they have a crimes in a movie. But they spell it with a K. When they just you just be like, oh, come well, on, no, because Uncle Franz spells it with a K. Oh, doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, I looked up uh, Serrano with a C, like the Serrano last name with a C, in Google. I Googled it, and it just sent right to Serrano with an S. So really, yeah. yep. And well. that's that's the end of the podcast. That's, that's all <laughs> I wanted to get out there. I actually, uh, before we get before we leave for the night, I was hoping yeah. to uh, hear a, a tale or two uh, from Uncle Jim here uh, about County Stadium. Uh, you spent, uh, you know, a handful of years going, you know, probably eighty games a year or so at County Stadium. Maybe share a little bit about uh, what you remember. You know, just kind of the what you remember most from your days there, and is, was there an incident or two that you'd like to share that <laughs> might entertain us for a moment? Yeah. I mean, as you all know, Miller Park became the venue in uh, two thousand one. And, and and the strange thing about County Stadium, as much as a, a dump it was, as much as a you know just a corrugated tin shack with a with some a baseball diamond, it in this project in, in my entire life I've always had such an emotion, an emotional attachment to it. And I don't mean just because the '82 World Series, but as Toby knows, I grew up in Chicago area, and Wrigley was my first ballpark. So I. I'll always love Wrigley. You always have that flashbulb moment when you walk out onto the and see the green for the first time. I mean, everyone I've spoken to has had that moment. But County Stadium was a real crap hole. I mean, in terms of a structure, it was uh, like like many of the. It was built in 1953, and I don't know how much you know about the park, but there was a minor league Brewers team in Milwaukee, and they were slated to get that stadium, and um, it was you know just very simple. I think it was like $6 million for the whole thing. And then uh, Lou Perini brought his Braves in uh, right before the season, uh, before the Bra- Brewers were going to take it over, and much uh, much to their uh, dismay. So, yeah, it's I'm just giving you a little brief history there. And then, obviously, they left and the Brewers came. I don't know if you guys know when the Pilots had uh, their team in for one year in 69, and they became the Brewers – Bud Seal had got the team one week before the season started. That's kind of hard to believe. It's like mm-hmm. a week ago they were in Seattle, and then a week later they were in Milwaukee, and they had to take the uh, take the S off the hat, so the M's on. It was one of those you know instantaneous kind of transfers. So I don't know. It's it's I, I've never been a, a real nerd when it comes to books, but this editing this book has really made me uh, appreciate uncovering things. Appreciate going, doing the research, uh, finding out all these obscure things, like there was a global World Series in County Stadium. Most reporters I know didn't know that that took place. And this is in 55 and 56, started by local people. And then the whole, all the angst when they left for, when the Brewer, Braves left for Atlanta, there's people that would not go to Brewer games because that team left. So I think um, there's so many things about County Stadium. I used to hang out at the batting cage Things that are so diametrically opposed to today, like in Miller Park, it's become very corporate and very antiseptic. You know, everything is very business-like. But in those days, Selig was still the owner of the Brewers, much more of a mom-and-pop operation as, as MLB was at the time. But 
it's difficult to to have a real emotion for teams now when you feel so disconnected. But I think there really was a real element of connection with that team. I mean, Bud would be up in the press box during the game, Bob Euchre, a very um, communal kind of environment. I could spend hours just talking about the the press box. It was such a, a wonderful communal experience. But again, nowadays it's, it's changed so drastically. So I, I have hundreds of memories steering me in a direction. I'd be happy to fill it in. But I'm mean, just the intimacy of that ballpark. You know? Speaking of the press box, I saw one of your photos on Facebook. Um, Jim has a Facebook group where he just basically posts all these historical photos and moments from uh, from County Stadium. And one of them was the press box. And I was struck by they had a full spread of food. And you said that it they served that every game for the reporters. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, but that was, I mean, by today's standards, that was like a fifth grade picnic. It was... <laughs> campy and so you know cold cuts and bread and chips and you know for lack of a better term it was really cheap you know it was just really cruddy but it was sweet it was like being in your grandparents basement with paneled wood and they put out this little spread but we also had uh, as many brats and as many hot dogs it was my first foray into covering a ball club so i didn't give it it was just so amazing to me to to be part of that but yeah there was a, a table at the seventh inning every seventh inning they put out this kind of Real simple spread, but it was home. It really was like your grandparents' basement. Well, let's get on to the, to our movie today, Major League. It was released on the 7th of April, 1989 in the United States. The tagline was a comedy with bats and balls. Toby, rate it. It's no, no you'll laugh yourself horse, but it, it's right. a, a noble attempt. What do you think, Robin? Um, Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a dude movie, so I see what they're right. doing there with the bats and the balls. That feels like 1989 humor right down the middle. It should be uh, the tagline is like, look out, the catcher's following you home. <laughs> oh, let's not get started on uh, lock the damn doors, Rene Russo. Oh, Good God. Okay. Girl, you in danger, girl. <laughs> All right. It was directed by David S. Ward. Uh, listen in the credits on this as David Ward. He also, he directed Down Periscope in the program. Okay. And then he helped write Sea Bliss and Seattle, but that's a powerful uh, well, and quattro. He left off the Oscar-winning. Uh, what's what, what's <laughs> it's uh, split? Jim, what, what's the name of the movie? The Sting. The Sting. The Sting. Yes, Oscar he wrote winning. The Sting. Yeah, he yep. won an Oscar for it. He so. did win the Oscar for that. Yeah. Which one's the program? Is that the one where the guy lies, lays down in the middle of the road on the yellow stripes? Yes. Okay. Yep. Got it. It's with Joe Kane, the quarterback, and it's with uh, what's his face, uh, James Con as the. Is, oh, James Kahn. Yeah. Dead or as alive? Coach, uh, still alive. Yeah, still alive. Okay. Okay. Pulling so you're, you're okay. You're okay. Thanks, Uncle Jim. It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. His career's dead, but he's <laughs> Damn! That was savage. Uncle Jim, you might have to verify this. He wrote this and directed this basically because he was a lifelong Cleveland Indians fan and this is he felt and this was the only way he felt that he could that they could win. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um yeah, he was a lifelong fan. Truth, yeah, I was. He was real. You wouldn't think it when he when he did King Ralph and some of these others. Like, it just never dawned on me that he was the same guy that did the Sting. 
I mean, I like Major League. You guys went around the horn there, and I like Major League. It's funny. I'll, I'll watch it if it comes on. It just doesn't, you know, I don't think it's a laugh riot, but it's it's fun. It sure is fun. Ooh. Okay. Okay, yeah. Settle down, Robin. Settle down. We might have to Robin's get you a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. All right. The top build stars are Todd Berenger, Charlie Sheen, and Corbin Burnson. Opening song was Burn On by Randy Newman. Yeah, so I, I have the. I just wanted to kind of expound upon Randy Newman as like an entity and a force in movie music history. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to play a few clips here. So here's Burn On from Major League. Um, that's the opening credits uh, of the movie. On the Cuyahoga River, rolling into Cleveland to the lake. There's an oil barge winding down the Cuyahoga River. So uh, he talks a lot about the Cuyahoga River, of course, which has burned 13 times in the history of Cleveland. It runs right through the city. It says a lot about the industry of Cleveland and how, how sanitary it is. And about um, the I, city, oh, too. <laughs> no. In doing research for this podcast, um, I, I realized that uh, I didn't know this before. Randy Newman wrote the music for The Natural, which oh, is really? one uh, of my favorite movies ever as well. And I've got a little clip from that just to, just to remember it. So it gives me goosebumps every time. So that's Lights him? exploding. Like that's Randy Newman. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, probably the most, uh, one of the more most popular, maybe, of all his songs is from the Toy Story film. There you so go. You've got a Every Pixar film. Yeah. yeah. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead in your mind. There's just something about him. It, it's so yeah. Sweet, I think whole... when he's nominated for an Oscar for best song, they just give it to him. They don't even <laughs> run the race. They just give it to him. <laughs> the Randy Newman best musical whatever <laughs> award. Um, and finally, I didn't know this at all. This is one of my favorite songs ever. Mama told me not to come. Uh, Three Dog Night performed it, but he wrote it. Really. So my mom used to play that on the the record player in the mornings um, before we went to school. That's so cute. Mm -hmm. I love me some Three Dog Night. We should have Uh. a spinoff pod called Three Dog Pod. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in. All right, so the box office for let's go to the box office for Major League. It had a budget of eleven million dollars. Opening weekend, eight point eight million dollars. Overall gross in the U.S. was around just a touch below fifty million, along with the worldwide gross. Top box office movies for nineteen eighty nine. Number one was Batman. Number two, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Number three, Lethal Weapon two. Four, Rain Man. 
five, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I think Rick Moran, Rick Moranis is coming back. Um, look who's talking. Ghostbusters two, Dead Poet Society, Parenthood, and Back to the Future Part two. A bunch of great movies. Major League yeah. was twenty third for the year, behind Working Girl, Star Trek five, and Christmas Vacation. So Just I was a-, a bit insulted by the fact that all these movies that made it ahead of major league at that year so i i I wanted i remembered corbin bernson's face from somewhere else so i did some research and i realized law yeah la law no i never watched that though what i remembered him from was star trek the next generation q2 he poked his head in through the side of a starship (laughs) in one episode and it was really beautiful yep Mm -hmm. oh no that's all la law man yeah corbin bernson was a thing like he was yeah he was that time like oh uh, yeah i remember la law Harry Hamlin, Jimmy Smith. Mm. Yeah. Who was the, who is the um lady lawyer? <laughs> the what? <laughs> Are you Donald who? Trump? There's a lady lawyer here who A what now? <laughs> Susan Day was uh with Harry Hamlin. Oh, s- sorry, Robin. Uh anyways, let's continue on. Um, <laughs> was that who you're talking con- about? Susan Day? The blonde yeah, what, from right? the Partridge family? Yeah. Yeah, I took a picture of her. She had like a real like chic bob, and I was in like again seventh grade, which we'll get to. I took it to yeah. um, get my hair cut, and I was like, "Can I have this?" And the lady was like, "Ooh, sweetie, no." <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you leave with, if not that? Uh, no, I mean something, something a little more doable, a little wash and go situation. Oh. <laughs> they they took like one snip. They're like, okay, that's ten They're bucks. Like, oh, nineteen eighty nine bucks. She's blonde yeah. and beautiful. Is that what you're looking for? And they're like, Robin, you're in El Paso. Sorry, yeah. you <laughs> this have braces. Here. You're five nine and you weigh eighty nine pounds. This is not happening for you. It's not a good look. <laughs> All right. So the critics' consensus. Is Major League may be predictable and formulaic, but buoyed by the script's light, silly humor, not to mention the well-built sports action sequences and funny performances. Uh, somebody didn't really know how to write this consensus either, but that's okay. It just kind of just leads off into nowhere. They must be a they must be a radio guy. They got 83% from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 84% fresh from the audience. So let's get into the thoughts, everyone's thoughts on the movie overall, and their thoughts about the movie has changed on this rewatch. Uh, Uncle Jim, let's start start with you. Well, I had last time I saw it. Strangely enough, and I didn't even know I had this assignment was a couple months ago. I I did watch it. I think I would talk to David Ward. I I do enjoy. It's one of those films that I can watch periodically. I mean, especially times like this, I, I want to know how it's going to end. You know, I like to watch a film. I won't put any downer in right now. And you know, the other night we we watch films that you know we know where it's going to go, and it certainly delivers. I mean, there's a lot of good jokes in there and jokes that I use around the house periodically. And so I enjoy it. I I watch it, you know, a couple times a year. I think it's a a fun film. It really, it's lighthearted and takes you away. Calgon. How about you, Robin? You guys know I love this movie. This takes me back to seventh grade. Um, Super quotable. So fun to quote along. Can I talk about um, whether it holds up? Are we ready to go there? <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. love, I first of all, Tom Berenger, come to me. I mean, <laughs> hello. Um, <laughs> God 
damn, this is racist, though. Like, the mascot, I forgot. I mean, I either didn't know or it, like, went over my head back in the day. But, like, it's not just the mascot. It's not just the logo. It is, like, all of the Bob Buecher, like, color, commentary. Like, woo! Yeah, so that was a little rough. I know we're going to get to um, Jake Taylor walking the thin line between being a hopeless romantic and being a stalker who needs to be thrown away in jail for a long, long time. Um, yeah, I loved it. I laughed so hard. I like had a giant smile on my face the entire time. The only other thing I thought did not hold up very well. <laughs> and I remember at the time being like, yeah, you go, guys, was when they were like, all right, we're going to motivate this team to win by stripping a picture of this lady naked. Yeah. <laughs> but And I was like, oh, well, like, couldn't you have like done like a sticker chart or something? Um, but yeah, overall, <laughs> could not have enjoyed the rewatch more. I love, love, loved it. So good. So good. Wild thing. You make my heart sing. <laughs> Toby, before you get into your thoughts about the film, do you think we need the motivational cutout, cardboard cutout too, but maybe something a little bit more 2020? Yeah, like an antelope where you like grow the horns <laughs> or something. Maybe one of your little karate guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think about the movie and everything? I mean, I, I watch it probably five times a year, and this is like my third time, so <laughs> it's great. <laughs> All right, let's get into 1989. This is when it happened. Okay, so first we kind of, Uncle Jeremy, kind of go back into where we were in 1989. And so Toby and Bob were in fifth grade. We're almost like a tale of two cities. Uh, I was in Spring Grove. Toby was in Richmond. We were united by only a a common high school and a Little League program. And so so as people know (laughs) that listen to this uh, show, all one of you, that I have an axe to grind with... uh, with Coach Crines, Toby's uh, dad. So in fourth grade, he buried me at 14th in the lineup. And I'm pretty sure that this is the year that he stole the all-star appearance and MVP for me. I think it was the Phillies year. Is this is this correct, Toby? Oh. Giants. It would have been the Giants. Oh, the Giants. Oh, okay. All right. And, so and, and I did steal the all-star appearance. <laughs> oh. so each coach was only allowed to, to invite one shitty player to the all-star game. <laughs> and I won the, the honor. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I'm going to get you guys. I'm going to get the Crimes family one of these days. No, Robin and Uncle Jim. What was it like? Uh, did you guys play any baseball growing up, or or softball, or? No, I was tennis and swim team. Nothing. No team sports for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, baseball was the only thing I was good at. It was all I ever wanted to do. It was uh, we played running bases from dawn till dusk. We played uh, baseball was the one thing I actually was pretty good at. I was like, when you asked uh, Bob about the, uh, the memory of where I was when this film, I hate to say it, but I was fr- I was in college. I was a freshman in college, I think, freshman or sophomore, and I was going back and forth between Palm Beach and uh, Milwaukee. I was driving a limousine down in Florida. And oh, wow. I distinctly remember going, I used to hang out at the journalism school because I didn't know what the, what the bleep I wanted to do with my life. And I, I distinctly remember seeing the ad, we need extras at County Stadium. It's one of those things that you just don't forget. And I, I, I didn't give it much thought. As much as I was into film, I cannot believe that I didn't go down there. I was so full of shit. I didn't. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't. I honestly don't. But I remember vividly seeing, we need extras, blah, blah, blah. 
and I didn't go. But it's funny that I recall that like it was yesterday. Why didn't I go? I have no idea. But and and I I loved film. I mean, film was my thing. Film and baseball. I just had my head up my ass, and I don't know why I didn't go down there. You could have been in those in those uh, extra shots because they had twenty thousand yeah. people there. Yeah, you could have been shaking it to wild thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to harp on this David Ward interview, but he did talk about that in this piece. He said he got about twenty-seven thousand people to show up, and he says he was stunned. He didn't, you know, the actors really got into it because they got the the feel of a real crowd. And we were talking about the subsequent nights that filtered out a little bit. But he was telling me how they cheated on the long shots. He only needed people in every other row. And but he was thrilled. I mean, the director he liked it very much in Milwaukee. He, he it was similar to Cleveland in a lot of ways. But you know, one thing he told me that for the sequel they couldn't afford Wesley Snipes. He got too big by that time, and they couldn't afford him. So all these little snippets that I love, these little gems that you're not going to get. When I did my book on Bull Durham, they told me and they had to spray paint the grass green because it was all brown down in Durham at the time. And um, all these little things that, to me, make me very happy to know those kind of things. And uh, he didn't have to pay any extras, even though he told me off the record that they would have if they had to. But Milwaukee just really, really came through for him. And he was really – you could tell in his voice, like I said earlier, that you don't know with an interview subject it's difficult to know if they're into it or not. But he was really into the shoot here in Milwaukee, which I thought was, was nice. And I think the entire crew had a good time shooting it. In, in this town, which which was very grateful to have them here. So Jim was driving limos. Robin, what were you doing at 89? Uh, just being a big old nerd in the seventh grade, as you guys know. Um, and I think I've told this before, but um, the next year in eighth grade, we talked our math teacher into letting us watch Major League at the <laughs> end of the year. And we told her it was rated PG, I think. And... <laughs> Um, this was back in the day when no one really cared about compulsory education, but you know, the last week of school, you just watch movies and you know, there's like so many F bombs in this movie. Like there, I remember the streak where Charlie Sheen gets into it with Corbin Burnson in the locker room and they're fighting. And I swear they said fuck like 16 times back to back. And I remember our little math teacher being like, guys, are you sure this is rated PG? And we're like, mm-hmm, yeah. You see any nudity? And like, yeah. so anyway, that's my that's my tale of Major League. Oh, that was a great day being able uh, to watch Major League at school. Oh, you must have just felt like you had a, a achieved a coup. Well, the- and it went full circle because our mascot of my junior high school was also a culturally insensitive um, American Indian mascot. So there you go, full circle. Yeah, I remember uh, feeling that, uh, like that's kind of sense of triumph and success but then i was cut down by coach greg Krein senior and little league in 1989 so <laughs> anyways let's continue on in 1989 top headlines nintendo releases the game boy in, uh, in japan in april in north america in july first episodes of the simpsons are shown and then something about the berlin wall comes down but whatever Toby, ni- 1989 music. Yeah, more important. Can we interrupt Berlin Wall news for 1989 music? Um, <laughs> Love Shack, we didn't start the fire right here waiting for you. Pump up the jam. Wild Thing by Tone Loke. And I've got a, a I, I couldn't remember what that was. So I just, uh, have, I'm going to play what? a little clip. I know. When I heard it, I knew. But here it is. I just know what to say. 
I was hanging by a string. She said, hey, you too. I was once like you, and I like to do the wild thing. Was that before or after Funky Cold Medina? Anyone? I don't know because like I heard it. I go, isn't this Funky Cold Medina? <laughs> no, Toby. I know. That's what? shameful. <laughs> Enlighten no me. For our past. Enlighten me. I'm sorry. God. All right, continue on. Bust a move. <laughs> Bust a yeah, move. Don't just uh, stand there. Yep, yeah. and we bat, bat dance from the the Batman movie, of course. Um, once bitten, twice shy. Yes, such a good list. That's amazing. It's a good list. Okay, Uncle Jim, you're driving the limo in in Florida, South Beach. Which of these uh, songs actually like belted out of your limo? Of oh, the ones Toby just said. Yeah, or any of them. It may have been the Tone Loke song. I don't even know how the hell I remembered that, but yeah, it could have been. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with that one for two hundred. <laughs> Man, justice for Richard Marks. Come on, guys. Oh. <laughs> All right, so we got our first game. Robin, we introduced games into this. Into oh. this. So the first one <laughs> we have is... Elated and terrified. Go on. <laughs> okay, so this is Fashion Police. We're going to look at fashion in the late 80s, and we're going to pass judgment. For each one, I'm going to quiz you. And so you tell us if this should be the law, you'll allow it, or do they need to go to fashion jail? Robin, we're going to start off with you with acid wash jackets and jeans. Okay, so reporting to you live from Texas, I have to say I'm a denim gal for life, and every jean jacket is a good jean jacket, although the acid wash is a little tough to take. I'm going to go, I'll allow it. Okay. Toby, Hawaiian shirts. Uh, I used to wear them all the time. I'm going to go with... uh, not only allowed, but this is like uh, a Trumpian order where I'm going to order everybody <laughs> to wear them, whether it, whether I can get away with it or not. That's the order. Toby, that's Magnum PI only. I know. <laughs> what, what, but what's crazy, even going through this, I realize how much men's fashion hasn't changed that much at all. <laughs> Except for this next one, Uncle Jim. Fingerless gloves. Oh, Jesus. Um, under any circumstances, unless you're Madonna, no. No way. Okay. Madonna's on here, but then there's D. Snyder. I was gonna say, I appreciate that. I would like to note for listeners out there that Bob actually uh, provided photographs of each of these things, and I was going to ask if that was D. Snyder, and apparently it is. <laughs> All right, Robin, we got six outfits there from 1989 women's clothing. We're gonna go through them pretty quick. First one, the top and pants. Can you describe that color? Well, can I just do this as one lump sum and tell okay. you all of these are a uh, hate crime. They're <laughs> all boxy. There's pantyhose. Like, pantyhose were, were 100% invented by a man. Sorry, guys. Um, and there is not an inch of skin showing anywhere. Like, anybody who had any skin showing through, like, a, a blazer with shoulder pads over top of it. And there is nothing cute happening here. No, 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 no. I think you can see an ankle on that vest and top where you have the floral vest. <laughs> Avert your eyes, gentlemen. There's an ankle bone visible. <laughs> but I think the worst is probably the tunic dress for $75.1989. You can put on a rectangle of blue with a bow on it. <laughs> it was a it was a real rough time, guys. Real rough time. Hmm. Oh, let's look at guy stuff. See, I told you it's like basically the same stuff. So we have striped shirt uh sport shirt, plaid slacks. Paisley tie, leather blazer, and a diamond sweater. What do you think, Toby? Well, at the risk of getting slapped, I'm going to defer to Robin. 
<laughs> so this all looks like stuff that dudes wear. Pleated, pleat front pants are no, no, never no. Yeah. Um, and that like Mr. Huxtable sweater there at the end is giving me flashback vibes. But yeah, it's got to be nice to be a dude. Like yeah, a because blazer, I, I could allow the leather blazer. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, we haven't thrown away anything since 1989, so it's like it's pretty, pretty much the same stuff. Let's get into the plot of Major League. I didn't write down the plot, funnily enough, but we all know it so well. Robin, what's the plot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a ragtag bunch of players come together. They're put together by the wife or the what? Do they yep, call the that? wife. When your husband widow. dies, the widow of the um, Cleveland team decides that if she can get the attendance down low enough, she will be able to get out of her contract with the city and move to Florida. Um, so she tries to accomplish this by putting together the shittiest team she can possibly assemble. And then um, comedy ensues. You know, this is actually based on a real story a little bit. I don't know if you guys knew about it. Really? uh, Yeah. It's uh, way back in the late 70s. The Minnesota Twins were also threatening to go to Florida. Uh, It even got to the point where this group in Tampa Bay bought like around 42% of the team and they're all ready to go. But uh, Carl Polad from Minnesota just ended up sweeping in, swooping in and just buying everything and keeping them in, in Minnesota. So that kind of base kind is kind of the basis for that, that plot point. It's also the plot of Slapshot. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good, it's a good plot. All right. So the leadoff topic is where do you rank major league amongst baseball movies? Let's start with you, Toby. Uh, Right up to to me, this one and the natural are, are the best baseball movies I've seen in, they're very different movies, but uh, I, I put them both right up there. And then, you know, you got Bull Durham and uh, some more recent ones. Uh, For the Love of the Game. Yep, and uh, Trouble with the Curve. And How about you, Uncle Jim? Where do you put it? Um, it's it's not in the top five. I'd put um, Bang the Drum Slowly up there. I'd put uh, um, definitely um, For Love of the Game, for me, it was perhaps one of those. Bull Durham's up there. I guess it's like five or six. Natural never did much for me, totally. Sorry. Yeah, you know, it's, I would say it's number five for me. From the top rope, Robin, go ahead. You guys are lucky we are not in the same room. <laughs> Let me just start there. Um, no, I love this. I think it's probably my favorite comedy baseball movie. I put it like neck and neck with The Sandlot, which is maybe more kind of like family fair, but that's a classic. My top of all time is definitely Bull Durham, but those are, as we've already said, totally different movies. And I think like you guys probably, I don't know if you feel the same way, but the movies that you saw when you were like, you know, seventh grade to, you know, 21, those are it, right? Like those, I don't know, those are the ones that you know you can quote along. And I think Major League is probably not the highest of quality, but it just has a special place in my heart. Can I interject one thing? No, writing the, I don't know, I didn't tell, um, I wrote the book on Bull Durham. And it was interesting to me that Tim Robbins couldn't pitch for shit and he, he didn't have any mechanics, but he did comedically work for the movie. But Kevin was a very, very good ball player, and he. Um, some scouts said they would have signed him to a minor league contract if he weren't an actor. And then conversely, Charlie Sheen could pitch. Sheen could really pitch. Habert, I guess, was pretty decent and, and <laughs> better than his speaking Spanish. Let's put it that way. 
Behringer didn't have much of an arm, but I believed him. But it was interesting to me that, you know, you know, even though it wasn't realistic in a lot of senses, but Sheen showed he could throw, you know, and some of those things. But even Bull Durham, though, how they let Tim Robbins get away with that, though, I mean, and I talked to Tim for the book. I didn't I didn't have a heart to tell him how bad he looked, but you know, there had to have been somebody better for that role. I'm surprised Shelton went with him because he was so, so off kilter. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to No, I agree. And I call it the uh, the Teen Wolf scale of sports <laughs> ability. <laughs> like, uh, Charlie Sheen made it real. Like, like he was really throwing there, and you could just tell. Whereas, he pitched uh, in high school, I think, I read. Okay. Yeah, he almost went to college, uh, to the University of Kansas on a pitching scholarship. Wow. Yeah, Kevin Costner can't stop making baseball movies. Somebody <laughs> needs to cut him off. And, uh, he he actually, uh, and we'll probably get into this again with Charlie Sheen, but I read that for for the love of the game, he was pitching over a hundred. He was throwing like hundreds of pitches just for that final for the game, and at the end, he was just all like just he was just drugged up. He went to the to the Yankees trainer, and yeah. it was basically like, "Give me everything that you can't, you know, that you won't cop to. I need to get through this." And he was just all sorts of uh, hopped up on painkillers and yeah. whatever. Oh, oh. Method acting. Great mechanics in that film. And the one thing I talked to David Ward about was um, Wesley Snipes, the, th- the throw to home, you know, the final play when they win it. Mm-hmm. He said that was a real tough timing issue when they needed to get that. Sure. Right. He said he really needed to get that right. And so after about four or five takes, uh, Snipes uh, started getting pretty beat up on the hips, so they had to pat him up. They had to put extra dirt down. And because we talked about this at length, but it was a really tough play with a timing issue with the catcher where you had to get the ball and pivot to make yeah. it look, you know, even marginally realistic. So I thought that was a fun discussion with him, too, because that's a tough shot to direct. You know, you had to get it. If you didn't get that to look real, it would have unraveled a lot of the a lot of the movie, I think. And I think overall, the Major League Baseball scenes were pretty good. Yeah. And so next question is, where do you rank the baseball scenes amongst other baseball movies toby i thought pretty good i mean so charlie sheen makes it realistic and thankfully he's throwing a lot but you know the the ad harris i forget the actor's name but uh uh he, he's clearly not a ball player um, the snot ball guy yeah the snot ball guy get my nose running with some jalapeno well <laughs> exactly toby, he did play college ball believe it or not he did. Wow. I, I, to me, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just my eye, but um, no, you're, you're right. But I couldn't believe it either. And you know, uh, Wesley Slipes could clearly run fast, so that helped. Um, oh, that's a great but, scene when he comes running around oh, that corner. God. I love that scene. Could he though? Could he, Uncle yeah. Jim? Could he run? No, they had to slow that down for him. He was not as fast as the other guys, so they had to actually slow. It was in slow motion, as you remember. Yeah. So they had to do that scene in slow motion because he was not as fast as the other guys. Wow. I love that. That's like I, I think I read that he was at, he was athletic, but he wasn't yeah. a baseball player. But he wasn't fast. No. Like so, if you if you see that every scene of him running or doing anything, it's in slow motion. Right. Right. Hmm. Neat. Yeah. How about you, Robin? Where do you rank the baseball scenes? I mean, I kind of take it as the entirety of it, not just the mechanics. I thought like the Charlie Sheen, like we've already said, like the wind up looked decent. Um, but I just like the the catcher talking shit. Like that is what sells the like that's Bull Durham, that's Major League. Like the catcher kind of just like running his mouth nonstop, trying to get the batter off of his game. Like that's what I think kind of 
brings it all together. It's like the totality of the crowd, the close-ups on the fans. Yes, the pitching mechanics matter, but like I bought that it was a baseball team playing real baseball. I got to uh, put in another issue I've had with a baseball coach. It might, it might seem like most of my young adulthood is just me battling <laughs> is that why baseball we're talking about baseball movies? It sounds <laughs> oh. like you have an axe to grind. <laughs> no, but but it's kind of it's more funny. So I watched Major League when I was young. I think I was a freshman in high school. And I think I even remember your older brother. We were playing the varsity team that had Noah on it mm-hmm. at the time. And, and he and I just really quickly, he had the, the shaved sides of the head and the Ooh. long hair. Ulat is what we call it. I'm not sure why. What did you say you called it? A Sulat? That's a Sulat. <laughs> okay. Posthumously. I thought friend... you were going veg head, but go on. No, my friend in college uh, who had one, <laughs> he goes, it's called a Sulat, Toby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah academic research shows it's a sulat from from france but um yeah so i but so i started trying to trash talk them and immediately uh, i tried to trash talk upperclassmen and it did not go well keep on going 12 recordings but that's okay all right i'm sorry you know what's really crazy was that i could hear you guys say that i was frozen i was like no i'm not i'm right here (laughs) i'm a real boy (laughs) yeah i like i'm not i'm not invisible i'm like not like an invisible player on coach greg crying senior's (laughs) team you know (laughs) like i'm worth something (laughs) all right uncle jim yeah uh where do you rank the baseball scenes you know, I don't think any film I've ever seen had any realistic scenes. I think Sheen looked good. I think it was better than Bull Durham, I'll say that. And I yeah. think, um, you know, but I really don't know any game, any film that's really captured. Um, can you? I mean, I, I, what's your – I can't think of one baseball film that's really got it. No, but, I think maybe for the love of the game does a pretty good job out of anything. But they have everyone striking out, so that makes it easier. Yeah, but so I wasn't blown away by any of the... the... But I I think if you put it on the the Teen Wolf spectrum, (laughs) these are some pretty damn good scenes. For example, they seem to adhere to the general rules of baseball. (laughs) In Major League, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas in uh, Teen Wolf, of course, like whatever rules James Navesmith put in place no longer exist in the Teen Wolf world. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, what actor do you think was the best uh, baseball player overall, and who was the worst, Toby? Um, so, interestingly, in doing my research, I realized that Clue Haywood uh, from the Yankees <laughs> was a former Cy Young Award winner from the Brewers, Pete Bukovich. So, I'm going to go with him. Yeah. However, oh. um, uh, I Charlie Sheen to me uh, played it well, and I wanted to note I, in my research, he said in an interview that he did steroids for two months. Be prior to filming to improve his athletic ability he looked pretty uh jacked i gotta say all those sleeveless shirts that's another great line they say you're a pitcher but you're not much of a dresser <laughs> <laughs> in this league we wear caps and sleeves oh that's a good one robin who is the who do you think the best play, uh, player was and who what actor was the best and who was the worst yeah i'll stick with charlie sheen you know you could buy tom berger berger yeah as like washed up, busted up knees, right? Like mm. he definitely <laughs> ran like his knees hurt. Um, so yeah, I'll go with uh, for sure. Wild thing for believability. 
And, and Behringer uh, looked great in those jeans, huh? I mean, that, that was back in like top like Charlie Sheen form too. Like that was like fresh off. I can't. What was the order that Platoon? or Ferris Bueller? No, he wasn't as a uh, who Charlie Bob, Sheen. Oh yes, I swear yes. to God, if you were going to tell me now. who was in Ferris Bueller's off, I will get my car, break quarantine, and come have a <laughs> stern talk with you. <laughs> It'll just be me going six feet, six feet, six feet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, he was a sex god back in the day. Um, little did we know he was going to go in a, in another direction, shall Where'd we say? Go? Did he go Republican or something? No, Tiger Blood. Oh, he went Cuckoo Town, USA. Oh. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk offline. Yeah, yeah. he went. And then uh, Uncle Jim, best baseball player as, uh, for the actors, and who is the worst? Yeah, I mean, it's a unanimous Charlie Sheen and uh, for the best. And I'd have to say that the guy that Toby said well, didn't look like a pitcher, he was the worst, and he was a pitcher. That's I think he looked so unbelievable, the older spitball guy. Yeah. You know, he just didn't, didn't pull it off. <laughs> no. Crisco. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's – let's, so of the fictional baseball players in the movie, who's going to have the best career? Uncle Jim. That's a good question. I think I, I'll tell you who doesn't. I think Barringer blew his knees out after that season. I think uh, um, Wesley Snipes will strike out too much. Uh, best season. I'm not even sure how far uh, Wild Thing will go, but I guess I have to say that if anybody had a career next year, it would be Charlie Sheen, I, if that's where we're going in terms of the future of the fictitious player is that what we're talking about? I'm talking about at the end of their each of that you take their end of their careers, like so. Like Jake Taylor's at the end of his career, Doran is kind of in the last half, but Serrano, the and um, Willie Mays, Willie Mays Hayes and Wild Thing Vaughn are all beginning their careers. Who's going to have the most successful career? Um, I'm gonna go with um, I, I guess I have to go with Wild Thing because. The rest had the, the other tale. It was too tenuous. I'll have to say he's the only guy that showed that he might have a, a, a little more longevity than the others. And Haywood, or what was his name? The big Serrano. Serrano. Yeah, he just you know he can't hit the curveball, so he's done. And uh, Wesley Snipes, I just think he's the one trick pony. So I'm going to have to go with a wild thing. Robin, I'm going to throw you a curveball. See what I did. Um, I'm going with uh, Dorn. I think he's gonna uh, retire and get some like big sponsorship money for like jockage cream and stuff. So <laughs> while not like really doing anything else in his baseball career, I think that Dorn's got like staying power. How about you, Toby? I was thinking. Uh, well, I think Dorn's gonna have the the best statistical career because Wild Thing's gonna injure his arm and fizzle out. He might win a Cy Young award though, so he'll have a, a you know nice little career. Um, but but I was thinking uh, Willie Mays Hayes. I think he'll have a nice little run. He's not gonna be great. He'll be a, like a role player. He'll play sixty two games a year and uh, you know finish. He'll play thirteen seasons and then be done. And if you guys thought you were obsessed with the major league i found people online that were more obsessed <laughs> and so they took they actually took a stab at projecting what their stats were this year <laughs> for this year <laughs> and it's based on some of the stuff they say during the games and not, oh, like uh, like um, yes yeah, that's so, okay, amazing so, so the first one is uh jake taylor um so the, this guy is from fonzie forever blogspot.com <laughs> who even knows where <laughs> this guy is but thank you fonzie all right Yes, um, Henry Winkler, lock your doors. Yeah. So he describes Jake Taylor as, I'm going to assume that he has a decent on-base percentage, no power, and doesn't strike out too much. 
because he's we know that he's bat second behind Willie Mays Hayes. So he has to be able to make get on base or at least move him along. And so they they have his stats at hitting two forty five for the year, um sixty two runs, five home runs and 52 RBIs. Next up is Ricky Vaughn. As you know, that Ricky started off in the bullpen before getting into starting rotation. And so they went and projected Ricky Vaughn's 1989 season as he went 9-9, nine and nine, 114 innings pitched, 89 walks, 129 strikeouts, a 3.79 ERA with uh, 41 games played in 19 starts. Solid season. Yeah, not bad. Willie Mays Hayes, this is going to surprise you guys. So, because they said he was hitting 291 in the movie. So we know that that's true. They projected that he stole 70 bases that year because there is a scene where there is 50 pairs of the gloves, the running gloves the, on the wall. The yep. gloves, yeah. And so they also said that he seemed to be a gold glove caliber de- defense in center field. And he said, mm-hmm. this guy is like, you've got yourself a burgeoning young star and borderline MVP candidate. So they had <laughs> <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes hitting. 291 with 115 runs, seven home runs, and 55 RBIs. That's Kenny Lofton numbers almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they because he was they're saying like they won 92 games. They don't have a lot of pitchers because it's just basically Eddie Harris and Ricky Vong. So they had to score some uh, runs. <laughs> they have two pitchers in the rotation. <laughs> yeah. so they had Kelt there, but they pulled him. He was the opening. He was the opening uh, starter, and he's just gone. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, Roger Dorn, um, let's see. They said they, he had a pretty decent year. It's 272, 85 runs, 21 home runs, 86 RBIs. And it says that his 86 RBIs would have placed him just outside the top 10 of the AL that year. <laughs> and then uh, Pedro Serrano, batting cleanup. They had him at 256 with 76 runs, 35 home runs, and 105 RBIs. But I'm not sure about that one because he couldn't hit a curveball <laughs> <laughs> like until until the playoffs. So there you go. He could though, right? He said, "Fuck you, Joe Boo. I do it myself." And maybe he could moving forward. 162 games later, I, I mean, even though it's 1989, I'm sure they're scouting still. Like, <laughs> like they they had mail. Like they could mail a letter. All right, let's get into the clip game. Are you ready, Toby? Oh, yeah. So uh, Bob and I decided we're going to have a, a quiz show where I'm going <gasps> to play an audio clip and you have to finish the punchline. So it's like the, I'm going to set up the joke and you need to, to finish it. So here's uh, the first one. Donald here. But I promise you, by the end of the season, we will have made history. Unfortunately, there are some in the press who feel that the ex-showgirl wife of Donald Phelps has no business being the owner of a Major League Baseball team. Spring training begins in two weeks. Here's a list of the players we'll be inviting to camp. I know this. I've never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. The facts are we lost our two best players to free agency. We haven't won a pennant in over 35 years. We haven't placed higher than fourth in the last 15. Obviously, it's time for some changes. All right. What's the punchline? (laughs) This guy's dead. Well, crash him off. That's right. Um, So uh, this is what I'm going to play next is... That's correct. Uh, And I'm not sure what this next clip is. I I think it's the next... Well, let's just see. 
but that is correct. Oh, hi, Charlie. Come in, have a seat. I'm glad you called me in. I'm uh, still unclear about a couple of things. Oh, really? Like what? Well, if I'm the GM, who's going to be the manager? I was thinking of Lou Brown. Who's Lou Brown? He's managed the Toledo Mudhens of the International League for the last 30 years. I think he'll fit right in with our team concept. What exactly is our team concept? That's what I wanted to talk to you about, Charlie. I want to put together a team that'll help us relocate to Miami. What do you mean? What, these guys are furniture movers? I'm serious about this, Charlie. It's a secret. I've never liked Cleveland much. <sighs> Stadium's falling apart. We don't draw dick. The weather's lousy. What's the punchline? That's all the setup. It involves the dog. Oh, she's going to have to start feeding the dog real dog food. (laughs) A couple of years of this, and I'm going to have to start feeding Cha-Cha real dog food. (laughs) Um, Can I I give you a quick quiz back, Toby? Yeah. Bob. Uh An amusing guest. Um, Uncle Jim. Jim. the when she, when he calls Lou and asks him if he wants to coach, what does he say? Let me think about it, right? <laughs> or no, like, hold on. Like, he says, yeah, hold oh. on, I've got four white tires to put on or something. <laughs> he does say something about white walls, but there's a line delivery of, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. and it's like he's doing like mustache acting. It is the best. <laughs> he is brilliant at it. Yep. Oh, love it. All right, so uh, this next clip. Uh, so I'm going to do the intro for all, each player. Get so it, with a standard um, comedy like this, you get each character gets their intro scene, and so we're going to jump to the intro scenes, and each one gets a punchline. <laughs> Some of them more PC than others. Um, oh God! So here's Jake Taylor. Jake Taylor. He was an all-star in Boston, wasn't he? Yeah, wound up in the Mexican League. Had some problems with his knees. We had him two years ago. We did. That's right. Four years ago then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, next one is Serrano. Here it goes. Here's Jake Taylor. And I, and I ran it back so you can Boston, hear the punchline and roll yeah, into it. Yeah, wound up in the Mexican League. Had some problems with his knees. We had him two years ago. We did. Four years ago, then. Who is that? Must be Serrano. Affected from Cuba. Wanted religious freedom. What's his religion? <laughs> Voodoo! <laughs> Which, uh, next is Dorn. Affected from Cuba. Wanted religious freedom. What's his religion? Voodoo. But you didn't have any high-priced talent. We don't. Doors just high-priced. <laughs> Next is Willie May. But you didn't have any high-priced talent. Forgot about Dorn because he's only high-priced. Picked him up as a free agent three years ago. Still hits the ball pretty well, doesn't he? Yeah. Just can't field it. We'll shape him up. Hey! 
I don't recognize this guy. Say hey! Willie Mays Hayes here. Uh, play like Mays. Play, run like uh, Hayes. Play yeah, like Mays, run like Hayes, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and then next what's the follow-up to that? Yep, yep. Next is Wild Thing. Willie Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays, and I run like Hayes. How you doing? How you doing? My man. Blue Brown. Nice to meet you, Hayes. The parking lot is right out there. Thanks. Oh, and uh, don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. I don't remember a haze on the list. That's a wild thing. My favorite line of the whole movie. Uh, oh, who's this fucking guy? <laughs> <laughs> look at this fucking guy. Oh, no, look at this. <laughs> That's my favorite line. I, I quote that regularly. Um, oh, that's so good. Where you been playing? What league you been playing in? California penal. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, and then some of these, I, I like this next one. It's Everybody's going to know it, but it's probably the most famous line from the movie. Vaughn, a juvenile delinquent in the offseason in his major league debut. I'm going to light your ass up, meat. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Ball four. Ball eight. Ball Ball 12. Low and Vaughn has walked the bases loaded on 12 straight pitches. Boy, how can these guys lay off pitches that close? Oh, I got to say that, like, I, I could have just listened to Bob Euchre talk for yeah. an hour and oh. just call the this Indians game. You can't nope. say goddamn on the radio. Oh, hell, <laughs> nobody's listening. Uh, Uncle Jim, do you ever bump into Bob Euchre in the, the county stadium? Yeah, many times. He he used to be uh, much more approachable back in the uh, 90s and early 2000s. But he, he was always very nice to me, signed a lot of balls when I needed him, and Always very kind, but he's been through some strange years. He's amazingly lucid for his age. I mean, he's 85, I think, something like that. But he was always very kind to me. Very nice. One thing that wasn't clear in doing research for this, like he he became like nationally famous from uh, being on the – Mr. Mr. Belvedere. Belvedere. Well, Come no, on. Be- before Belvedere, though, he was he was a talk show. Uh... If you say so. <laughs> he, he was like – on Carson a lot. John, yeah, Carson. He was on Carson a bunch of times. But why, why was he on Carson? That's what I didn't understand. Carson liked him. He just liked him. And he was very, a very funny guy. He's, he's truly, uh, he's witty. You know, I, he's not just campy funny. He's 86, by the way. And he, uh, you know, he, he was a pro ball player, you know, for the Braves. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he's very gifted at what he does he's i mean when i listen to him periodically it's just amazing to know he's a guy in his mid 80s but he, he's extremely lucid and on top of things nice guy toby do you have a, a clip of him as a real broadcaster 
Uh, I do actually. Yeah. So this is, uh, I have a compilation. It's about a minute long of Bob Euchre doing famous moments for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Here it goes. Gander, there he goes. The pitch, a swing and a fly ball. Right field and deep. Get up, get up and get out of here. Gone for Swain. And they've done it again. 12 in a row on a two-run blast by Swain to win it. Oh, my goodness. Holy cow. Do you believe it? The 0-1 pitch. Swings and here it is. A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And the pitch. Luke Rod left and deep. Hey, get up. Get up. Get out of here. Go. So I, I was listening to that, and I'd never heard him do uh, play-by-play before like that or color. Um, Uncle Jim, where would you put? I, I really dug like just those clips. I was like, "Holy cow, he's awesome!" Um, but Uncle Jim, you know, just based on your knowledge, you know, your experience listening to broadcasters, where would you kind of rank him? Because um, you probably heard a lot of him. No, he's easily in the, one of the best ever. I'd say he's. In, I mean, you got your Vince Scullys, you got your. Ernie Harwell's, all Jack Brickhouse's and Harry Carey's, all very different. Nobody's better. Nobody. I mean, you know, you could say Vince Scully's more of a poet, but from inside baseball knowledge and, and coverage of a game, there was nobody better. My, I've been looking forward to this question for a long time. Jake Taylor, hopeless romantic or felonious stalker? So let's kind of go over some of this stuff, Robin. Um, now, he's been gone three years in, in Mexico. Others can comment on whether or not this is illegal no, or immoral behavior. Uh, but you were the fashion police, so like your jurisdiction goes. All right. I'll also be the consent police. Go on. But even though they said that he's been gone for three years, the Indians had him two years ago. So he didn't tell her that he was <laughs> He's around. There's a little bit of a timeline issue. Yeah. Um, okay. So he sees Rene Russo by happen chance, and it was resplendent. Like, can we just oh, acknowledge yeah. the fact that Rene Russo was like a, the sexiest, curly-haired Maven of the day? Like, lethal weapon. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what else she was in around that time. Thomas Crown Affair. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah. She mean, was an ex-model who spent the uh she left modeling when she was around 30 about five years before this she was actually a very devout christian so she was doing some uh studying about christian theology as well as going to acting school and this was her first major role she wasn't acting like a good christian lady in this movie she was no she was not she she got paid mooching and all sorts of other things anyway all right so she gives him a wrong number which is which is uh you know, Jake should have been like, okay, I get it. <clears throat> but then, um, wait, what is he? He Then he said, a, no, I'm Tom Berenger. And look at this right. cool white sports coat I have. <laughs> I will not give up. Right. So he stalks her at the, uh, at the library, right? He goes to the library. Yeah. And they do the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do to Willie Mays Hayes. And Willie Mays Hayes is just like, hey, why don't you just follow her home from the library? He's like, well, that's <laughs> you know, a great idea. The usual thing that you would do. <laughs> Yep. If you're interested in a lady person. <laughs> yeah. 
and so that happens. So he stalks her to Tom's apartment, and later he also stalks her, follows her in the clubhouse cart to yeah. her apartment. Again, so- lock your damn door, woman. <laughs> This is like uh, Cleveland. Apparently, is like this Canadian utopia where nobody nobody locks, locks their doors. our door. After she moved out, he just waltzed in again. I mean, come on, lock the lights doors. don't work. <laughs> this that's weird. Like especially Tom's apartment. Uh, it just you go into the um the penthouse. And, yeah, the penthouse, and there's not a doorman there because they let like so it's Cleveland, <laughs> and you know he's sneaking in. Like yeah. <laughs> He's on the honor system, so it's like I wouldn't let this drunk guy in a sports coat inside. Again, he was wearing a sports coat, though. He blends. All right, so we're going to go to each of you. Uncle Jim, what do you think? Hopeless romantic? This is just like a boy, boys being boys in the 80s. I don't don't see any romance in it. He just won't get laid. I don't see any any love there. He had a lot of chances to get her. He just... Uh, he's kind of creepy when it, when you guys bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> now that you add it all together, yeah, Toby. Like, so, what do you think? No matter how good he looked in <laughs> jeans and with his tight perm, like, what do you oh. think? I mean, I was most impressed. Like, so that there's the, nobody locks their doors, but also the key to the uh, bullpen mobile just sitting in the ignition, <laughs> and you can drive that out anytime. It's street legal, <laughs> right? <laughs> And apparently it's uh, as fast, virtually as fast as a normal car. And I'm from Milwaukee. That's easily an eight-mile drive. <laughs> yeah, he's driving on the highway. Just <laughs> Left lane. Maybe put the mask on so he has protection. Um, I don't know. Okay, Robin. So what do you think? As the, so uh, you guys know, I'm a, a Tom Berenger apologist, clearly. <laughs> um, but when they were having their kind of tiff in the library, she mentions like five times he cheated on her. Yeah. Like, this is not a quality dude. Um, unless that's your arra- arrangement, in which case, whatever does it for you. But like, clearly... I don't know. They just didn't. I'm justice for Tom, y'all. Like that guy seemed to have his act together. Maybe she needed to give him a second thought. But <laughs> at the time I watched it, I remember being like, "Those two will last forever. They have hot romantic connections, and he can't read, but that's cool." Quick Quig's coffin. I I feel like I got like a Jeopardy answer correct because of that. So let's go into our favorite characters. Before we get into it, Toby, you had, you wrote down a bunch of big leaguers. Yes, we mentioned Christmas. Pete Vukovic, who was a Cy Young Award winner for the Brewers, who played the main uh, nemesis of the Cleveland Indians and did a fabulous job of it. I, I had I was surprised to learn in my research for this that he wasn't an actor because he like played that villain like so well. Well, David um, said how much he brought to the role. He said he really had lived some of the lines. And he also said Ward was said he was surprised the Yankees gave him permission to use them as the villain in the film. And he said he, he was really surprised by that, but obviously they did. But Vukovic, he delivered some quality stuff there. And yeah, you're right. He was believable, you know, as a ball player, a funny ball player. He did a hell of a job. Um, Willie Mueller was the Yankees. Duke Sibson, who comes in at the end, the Duke. Um, he played. Uh, he was a pitcher for the Brewers. Uh, Steve Yeager, who was uh, Dodgers catcher, I believe he was the guy who started the boat engine with Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> 
I believe that was him. And there's a he's trying to get Willie to give him five, and you know Willie doesn't see it or whatever. But he, he grabs. His, I noticed that today. Just one of these old man things I saw today. Like, wait, Willie's totally did. You know, he gave him suck his hand out to get the five. Didn't give it to him. Leave him um, hanging. Exactly. <laughs> and I word. believe that Steve Yeager was the was the consultant, the baseball consultant for the movie, and he's the one that did all of Behringer's throws in oh. the movie. He was a stunt thrower. Wow, that's that, a fun fact. Yeah, do you like that? So there's the one time where they picked the guy off at first, the really quick one. He's the one that did it. Yeah. Not, oh, not Tommy. Neat. Yeah, Tommy was out by the, the baseball, the clubhouse uh, cart. cart. Yeah. <laughs> and they're ready. <laughs> Warming it up. You know what else I noticed um, as a second grown-up reviewing is how much booze there was uh, like next to Bob Uecker. There was just like a giant <laughs> bottle of beam or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, that totally went over my seventh so, grade head. Moving Uncle on. Jim, you, you said in that Facebook post that um, the, the beer was free. We didn't use, we didn't use it, utilize it, but it was there was free beer up there, yeah. So finally, the names of several crew members on the film were used uh, for, on the backs of jerseys. So that was kind of a neat little thing. All right. Let's go over our own favorite characters from the film. Robin, who's your favorite character? Um, I would say I have a soft spot in my heart for Jake Taylor. Um, but I got I mean, I knew how the movie ended, y'all. I've seen it 17 million times, but I still got so excited when they brought out the wild thing. Oh, it's amazing scene. Toby, who's your favorite character? I think the the most entertaining is Willie Mays Hayes. Um so yeah. I've been cut already. Like <laughs> <laughs> wasn't even invited yeah. uh how about you uncle jim i've never thought about this before but lou brown oh, oh yeah oh that's the correct answer that i would like to switch my answer to lou brown it's interesting you think of people if you took them out of the equation what would the film have been and you, you can say that about a, a guy like that that just chewed up his scenes i mean he was amazing and it's some guys are just irreplaceable he he played it so low key. He was hilarious. Yeah, and I think like I, when, what Robin mentioned earlier, like uh, do it, he did baseball stuff. Like some of it, I, I was catching this time that I didn't catch last time. Just little things that a manager might do. Like I was really entertained by that. And again, like you said, Uncle Jim, low key. Like he didn't try to bite off more than he could chew, and he just like sat in that sweet spot. Well, yeah. in um, Bull Durham, the coach, the skipper. He was in a film called Raising Arizona. I don't know if you guys have seen Raising Arizona. but he oh, was, Have I seen Raising Arizona? That's one of the, I feel Robin about that film like you do about this one. But Skip, uh, Trey Wilson was the name of the actor who played the manager in Bull Durham, who was Nathan uh, Unpainted Furniture. What was it? Nathan Arizona. But it's, it's guys like that. If you take that one small actor out of an equation, Bull Durham's not as good a film without that small, you know, very small role. And I thought uh, this guy's name was James Gammon, who played Lou Brown. And a very, you know, character actor that you just can't forget. And I love those guys or females that fill those roles that the thing kind of unravels if they're not in it. Yeah, James Gammon is actually from Central Illinois, uh, Newman, Illinois, uh, funnily enough, even though he talks like he's from some hard scrabble place. He actually played Don Johnson's dad twice. And oh. yeah. in a couple different roles. One was guy. Okay, what was that one where Don Johnson was that 
the sheriff, not Skyline, no. Nash Bridges? Yeah, Nash Bridges, yep. And But Lou Gammon was only 10 years older than Don Johnson, but obviously. <laughs> do you remember him in uh, Urban Cowboy? I do not. He was the guy that got John Travolta laid in the beginning. With, <laughs> with Jerry Hall was with him, and, he, and then he was a friend of his later in the movie. He was he worked at Gillies. I was trying to look it up. But anyways, yes, I'm sorry about that. Urban Cowboy, a little bit before our time. Hey. No, oh, I'm sorry. We should do it. Let's do it. Savage. That comes on cable every once in a while. There's some films that you just, even though you've seen it 30 times, you can't stop watching some of it. I, I can't understand what that is, but Urban Cowboy is one of them. Training Miss Congeniality, Pretty Woman. <laughs> I like Pretty Woman too. Like, but yeah. that's just me. I've always thought my, of myself that I was more of a Richard Gere type person in life. Okay, Obviously. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna go a different direction with that. So like I'm a Julia Roberts. I do I do I don't tell know. like you I sell your tell... body for money, Bob. I don't know what your personal life looks like. <laughs> yeah. I do tell a lot of people that we're on pretty I do use the pretty woman rules a lot. Just like no kissing. <laughs> yeah, no kissing. No, yeah, especially now with the quarantine. No kissing. We're on we're on pretty It was a movie ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah. This quarantine um, thing is a nice excuse for my wife. So <laughs> Well, we're just going to move on. Let's move on to the alternate ending, Toby. Uh, I just want to say that there was an alternate ending that was the original ending, but it tested really poorly with audiences. And what it was was the the owner, this the former showgirl, ends up being this diabolical like good guy who like is is. His tells the team, you know, you learn at the end, it's like she did all this stuff just so the team would rise up against her and win the pennant. Um, but it tested poorly. They loved her as a uh, a bad guy. Yeah, audiences love a bitch. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to mention uh, for Robin's benefit, maybe uh, I would love to get your thoughts on this, Robin. <laughs> a twist <laughs> on the team rom com plot Ricky Vaughn gets glasses and gets hot. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, like uh, she's all that in reverse. Exactly. <laughs> Normally, you, you have to take off the glasses to get hot. but not Yeah, you shake case. your hair out, your yeah. librarian hair, <laughs> exactly. your Rene Russo librarian hair. Oh. Did we do Funniest Scene already? Because I love when he got the glasses on. Oh, yeah. We didn't do it. Let's, let's do it together. Uh, actually, Favorite scene have, in line. I have that clip from when he gets glasses. I'll play it quick. Oh, man, they look nice. I had a pair just like them. Well, after the game, I'm going to pick out a pair that's more me. Good luck. They look good. Besides, seeing's the most important thing, son. I don't think it's that important. <laughs> <laughs> that's another great line. Oh, so good. Are we waiting until he goes into the... <laughs> Bar. That's the end of the thing. Okay. And scene. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for the let's let's uh end this with the, a favorite scene and your favorite line together, all together. Uncle Jim. Your butt, Joe Boots. <laughs> Robin, favorite scene and line. Um, I would say generally my favorite scene is when they're all coming into the which the intro scene that you did the clips from so nicely. Um, but as a um, runner up, I would say when they make the American Express commercial, <laughs> I laughed so hard at that scene, especially Corbin Burnson, like being like wooden <laughs> and not being able to deliver his lines with any feeling. Oh, man, it's uh, so good. So, so good. That, that Amex commercial. Great. 
And I noticed this time that um, uh, Ricky Vaughn was the only one who not wearing a hat. In yeah, the, no in sleeves show. either. Yep. He's got uh-huh. he's sleeveless. <laughs> if you want to get recognized in your favorite, I forget what he says, but like <laughs> restaurant type places or something. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Good. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. right. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Don't steal home without it. Oh, so good. It's great. Great commercial. Toby. Uh, I love the wild thing scene at the end, um, uh, you know, where they start blasting it. And I, I think that my favorite line is like, the, just who's this fucking guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, We've started rating all the movies that we've watched. This is movie number 16. Wow. Actually, 15. Toby just accidentally uh, listened or watched the wrong movie on one of these uh, episodes. What did you watch? Well, I watched uh, the wrong Drunken Master. Well, I watched them both, but so I have an extra movie because I watched two instead right. of one. And then and then Toby loved Drunken Master so much like because it has a bunch of potty humor and stuff like that. True. And he played all these clips. And unfortunately, he insulted the guest. Who was like, I, I'm not comfortable with all of this. And I'm yeah, only saying saying this because I don't think he's going to make it this far in, in can, our episode. Can, can I, yeah, exactly. Can I play one of those clips from yeah. Drunken Master? This yeah, is one the, that's Hungry Dog Eat Shit. Yeah. That's called Hungry Dog Eat Shit. Huh? Damn you! Yeah, it's, it's peppered with these brilliant lines. I know, and then Toby's just like, "Oh, that's so awesome!" And the the guy like, it took it a couple of times, um, and he's just like, "I can't play this for my kid." And it's like, like I don't know what to say. But anyways, uh, it does. It, it's okay. He wa- he watched the wrong movie too, and so he Uncle- wouldn't he wouldn't admit to me <laughs> that he was uncomfortable because he screwed up. So Uncle Jim might appreciate this. Uh, growing up, we could not watch any shows that had sexy scenes, so we couldn't watch Beverly Hills 90210. My dad would <gasps> freak out, cut the TV, uh, you know, just literally like some scissors if he caught us catching it. But George Carlin, anytime we could get that in there, he'd, we'd all sit down with popcorn. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. He's my brother, and I don't get it. What a weird man. You know, I did see that you did Love Actually. That's one of my favorite films. Love Actually. Nice call on that one, guys. That's oh, perfect. That's one I could watch every couple months. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's a, something genetic. Yeah, you like that tobe as well. I didn't know. I'm oh, sorry. I have it number two. Yep. Really? Yep. Uh, this list oh. all time or what? What's that? Uh, no. Uh, up or uh, one of your favorites of all time? Oh no, these are the ones that we've watched on this podcast so far. Oh, I love yeah. ranked. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of most of them, but anyway, a lot of them are, are uh, uh, the, the my choices. Kung Fu movies. That, yeah. Yeah. You guys just about ready to be done with martial arts march or whatever was going on there. <laughs> I'm ready to keep going, but I don't think uh, our listenership's going to hold on much. <laughs> <laughs> um, In and Out was with Kevin Klein, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I love that. I encourage you to rewatch it. Yeah. <laughs> it does not hold up. It was very good, but there are some moments that were a little touch and go. Well, I don't know what it about. Uh, what about Bob really held up? I think comedically. You talking like PC stuff, or what do you mean? Um, you know, there was like I just recently watched um, Bring It On, and that was also from an era where there was just some like real casual homophobia, and that movie is not that old. Um, yeah, I would say just casual homophobia out the wazoo for sure. I know you know the song. Um, 
Mark Knopfler and uh, Money for Nothing, right? Oh, yeah. The stuff in there. But I heard a cover of a couple of years ago where they switch, and I'm thinking to myself, wow. I mean, I grew up in that era when that, you know, we're not going to get into it, when it just wasn't as seemingly mind-blowing. But I'm like, I'm glad they did that. You know, I'm glad. As an old man, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I understand it and I get it. But the one thing I have a problem, people don't know how innocent we were some days. You know, they, they don't get how terminology I'm not I'm not standing up for it. I'm not defending it but I mean it's weird how we've grown in a wonderful way I have two young 20 year old daughters so believe me I'm, I'm learning every day but yeah I mean, just for the boomer generation I mean we were we were not horrible people we just didn't understand a lot of shit. we didn't you know what I mean I'm not yeah, trying to yeah. defend it. I'm just saying, you know, yeah. I think I think like I, I believe this, like we can't like what I don't like when when we go back today, because there's a lot of going back and judging the past stuff like like humans going back and saying this guy was bad because of he did this 30 years ago. And by today's standards, it's a different standard. And I don't know. Yeah. What do you like Jake Taylor? You know, Jake Taylor is just a guy <laughs> who <laughs> his ex-girlfriend. It's like. God bless yeah. you, Bob, for bringing yeah. that full circle, oh, <laughs> taking Jake. us out of here. Yeah, Take he's it just, home, Bob. Yeah, he's just going up to the penthouse and, oh, look at this. Everyone's here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I ranked Major League fifth on my list right behind the Raid Redemption. Toby. I put it number you... three behind Love Actually and right ahead of Ip Man and Drunken Master. Bowfinger the... still number one. Yeah, both fingers wow. hold out for number one for me too. And just the answer is like this is this is the criteria. We don't even know how to <laughs> tell our criteria. It's basically what we're feeling in the moment. Something so it's about fish and hot pancakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh food and it's all together. That's what it is. So what do you guys think? Is it fair putting major league at fifth and third on this list? I'd say it is one of my favorite, most quotable films of all time. It deserves high placement. So it's above Love Actually, Robin? Well, you guys don't want to get me started on Love Actually. I can argue <laughs> either side of that film, but some people have, like, there's been some Love Actually backlash. I don't know. I apologize. I did not listen to that episode yet. Um, but was everybody a big fan of it when you guys did it? I, I think so. Overall, I think Toby, I, I mean, I, maybe me the least of all, I was really just kind of weirded out by that one, the person with the, the Mark, the sign yeah. guy. I was <laughs> yeah. just like, it's like, why do you even like her? You don't even talk to her. All you, and you just took pictures of her neck, the ent- her entire he's, wedding. He's, a, he's well, Jake she's Taylor. Of, he's the Jake Taylor of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, he is all neck, too. Yeah, yeah that's or she is. Um, yeah, so he could be forgiven. No. <laughs> you just want to take a nibble of that neck. <laughs> oh. Oh. Wow. Our internet with seems that. to be breaking up again. <laughs> I have to go now. Oh. And, let, and with that... I think it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> Robin, thank you so much. You're going to be on next week when we get into Kindergarten Cop. Yes. It's not a tumor. I'm it's ready. Arnold April. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jim, thank you so much for being on here. It was my pleasure. Thank you. You guys going to do Shawshank someday? Oh, Ooh. yeah. Love Shawshank. Thank you for having me on. It was fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate having you on. And so, Jim, I know that you've written a lot of books and stuff where can people find your work oh hell i don't know nobody wants to read this shit Um, (laughs) you sounded just like coach lou right then (laughs) oh i don't know i'd rather listen to your podcast let's just leave it (laughs) shit 
But the new book will be on um, McFarland Publishing in about a year or so. You might want to look for the history of County Stadium, but nothing else. Um, i got a screenplay we'll talk about someday. Thank you so much, guys. I enjoyed it. Well, thank you. And thank you all for listening to the Aging Hipster Rewatch. The Aging Hipster Rewatch is produced, written by Bob Serrano and Toby Crines. Edited by Bob Serrano. Theme song written by Ryan Reed. If you like the show, please share with a friend. We would appreciate it. And with that, you're out of here. Or, uh, I forgot the... Uh, Alright, bye. What do they say at the end of the movie? You're out. Oh, uh, Rene Russo is <laughs> like, I'm not engaged anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alright, and with that, goodbye.